This is the 2448 Podcast. What's up everybody? I'm Matt Broom, your friendly firefighting financial planner, and this is the 2448 Podcast. This show focuses on improving your finances, your side hustles, and moving the fire service forward through honest discussion. Let's get going. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the 2448 Podcast. Thanks for joining in. Today, we are focused on making ends meet, and we're going to be talking about workplace retirement plans. Specifically, we're actually going to be talking about my workplace's retirement plan. So, at my fire department, we use a combination of a 401A, which is a money purchase pension plan, and a 457B, Deferred Compensation Plan. Personally, I've always felt that our organization does quite a disservice to newly hired individuals when it comes to benefit selection. Many firefighters are young and they've, they've really had no formal training on retirement or investing or health insurance or any of those types of things. And they're pretty much thrown into making a decision that they have no frame of reference for. They don't have any education around it quite often and it can be quite a large decision for a young firefighter to make. So even for those that are older and transitioning from other careers, they may not have the appropriate background to make a well-informed decision either. So over a couple of episodes, I'd like to do my best to try and give a reasonable overview of the plans and how they work and hopefully answer some of your questions. I do appreciate everyone who has chimed in on Facebook with questions or suggestions for these episodes. I'll do my best to answer all those. But today I want to start with the 401A money purchase pension plan. And today we're going to do pretty much just an overview of what the plan is, how it works. And next episode we'll probably do one over the 457 and then we'll get maybe a little more in depth on some investing type topics and things like that. So let's dive in. An employer sponsoring a money purchase plan is required to contribute on behalf of each eligible employee. So an eligible employee for the 401A as defined in our adoption agreement is any full-time employee not participating in a defined benefit plan. So that's pretty much anybody who's been hired after, I don't know, probably 2004, 2005. I'm not quite sure when they made the transition there. But the amount required to be contributed by the employer is laid out in the plan's adoption agreement. If you look at Schedule B of our adoption agreement, you'll see that if you were hired in year 2007 or later, the county will contribute a flat 7% towards your 401A. If you were employed prior to 2007 and participating in the 401A, you could be getting up to 11.5% from the county, which is freaking awesome. And by the way, the links to some of these documents will be in the show notes. And if you want more information, you can always go to the county website and find all this stuff too. So dig in, do your homework, read, and learn about these things. And if you have any questions, you can always come to me. The great thing about a money purchase pension plan is that whatever the county's contribution rate, whether it's 
7% or maybe you're one of those lucky guys that got 11.5%, we are assured of those contributions. Unlike a profit-sharing plan or 401k, which those contributions aren't assured, they can change it depending on how much profit they make in a year. So that's really one of the best benefits of the plan itself is that we're going to get that money no matter what. We know it's going in, very easy to plan for and make projections and uh, look down the road and do some long-term retirement planning. So if you're getting at least 7% or 11.5% and you also contribute at least 2.5% towards your 457B, which we'll discuss in a later episode, the county will actually kick in an extra 1% for a total of 8 So please, if you aren't contributing at least 2.5% to your 457B, reevaluate that decision. You're giving up an extra 1% that the county is willing to give you towards your 401A. So go check on that. The county's contributions are subject to a vesting schedule as well. So for myself, I was hired in uh, 2014. And there was a three-year graded schedule then, meaning after year one, I was 33% vested, meaning the county's contributions were 33% mine. After year two, I was 66% vested, and year three, all of the county's contributions were mine. And if I left the county, they would go with me. Now they have changed things up a little bit. It's a five-year graded schedule, and... After two years of service, you are 0% vested in the county's contributions. And then you move into that kind of three-year graded like I had in the years three through five. So after three years of service, you're 33% vested. Four years of service, you're 66% vested. And then after five years of service, you are 100% vested into the county's contributions. So at that point, you can leave and take that entire amount with you, roll it over to another plan or IRA or whatever you'd like to do if you part ways with the county. So that pretty much sums up uh, the county's contributions, how much they contribute, uh, the vesting schedule, that kind of stuff. But what about your contributions? Uh, This is a huge decision that you have to make right off the bat, and it's irrevocable, meaning you can't change it, which is, well, kind of of tough to, to try to process and think through and come up with a well thought out answer that you want to, you know, select a percentage and stick with it for the rest of your career. So you got to be thoughtful about it. And uh, within our plan, you can choose to contribute either two and a half percent, five percent or seven and a half percent. Me personally, I chose two and a half percent. And a lot of people look at me like, oh, what the heck? That's crazy, man. You're financial planner what are you doing well why aren't you contributing more well i didn't like being locked into it um the flexibility of the 457 or contributing to an ira or things like that i was much more keen on because you know if i ever came up against a situation where i needed to increase my cash flow well i couldn't do so by decreasing my 401a contributions because i'm locked in so Personally, I chose to contribute 2.5%, and it was because of the lack of of flexibility. But on the flip side of that, I also follow a very strict investment plan outside of that 401. So 
Obviously, I utilize the 401. I utilize our 457. Then my, my wife and I utilize IRAs to do the rest of our retirement planning. And through those other accounts, we're able to meet our yearly retirement savings goals. And we stick to that year over year. We reevaluate, see how we're doing, that kind of thing. We follow a plan, which is very important to do. So if you feel like you have the discipline to do so, and you know you want the flexibility of being able to change your contribution rate if necessary, maybe choosing 2.5% is the right choice. That choice may not be right for you, though. You know, If you don't have the discipline to do that, you may need to choose 7% or 7.5%. And, you know, keep in mind if you, whatever you choose, two and a half, five or seven and a half, you can always increase your contributions to a 457 or you can go open up an IRA. You can find other ways to save for retirement that are outside of this 401A account. So just because you choose two and a half or five or seven and a half percent, that doesn't mean you can't utilize other accounts to increase your overall investments as a percentage of your income. With all that being said, just be thoughtful about this. Go to, personally, I like to use investment calculators. Uh, I always suggest people go to bankrate.com and go to like 401k calculator or whatever. They got hundreds of calculators on there. Find an investment calculator and run some numbers. I did just like a quick example of you know, the 7.5% versus the 2.5% over 30 years with a 4% increase in income, earning 7% a year. And the difference was like 300 grand doing the 7.5% versus the 2.5% with the employer contribution included. So if that's pretty much all you're doing, if, if you know, the 401A, you're not, let's take anything else off the table, you know, all you're investing into is this 401A, the difference between 7.5% and 2.5% is huge. It's 300 grand. That's years of income in retirement. So these decisions have huge implications. So be thoughtful. Go online. Go to bank rate. Find a calculator you like. Play around with it. See what it looks like. Change the interest rates. Change the contribution rates, whatever. And you know, come to a reasonable decision if, if you're... Uh, FNG listening to this, you're at, you know, in your first week at the academy, take some time to figure that out and move forward. If you're a firefighter who's been here a little while, you've already made this decision, obviously. So if you, no matter what you chose, it's okay. You'll be fine. You can increase your investments elsewhere or decrease if you need to, whatever it is. This is not, even though it is an irrevocable decision, uh, it's it's made, it's over with. Now you can plan and move forward from there. And when it comes to your contributions and your earnings within this 401A account, they are tax deferred. So this means whatever you know you're contributing two and a half percent of your income per year, well those contributions reduce your taxable income in the year contributed. And then as your investments grow, they grow tax-free or tax-deferred. They don't grow tax-free, excuse me. They grow tax-deferred. And then when you get to retirement and you begin withdrawing, you have to pay taxes in the year that the money was withdrawn as ordinary income taxes. So whenever you get to retirement, at that time, you'll be taxed on whatever amount you withdraw in the year withdrawn, and that will be taxed as ordinary income. 
So if you have a long time frame between now and retirement, this is great for young employees because they have a long time frame to accumulate and grow their retirement savings. Whereas someone who's coming to this plan maybe a little bit further down the road is at a severe time disadvantage. Hopefully they have accumulated some retirement savings from previous employer uh, 401ks or IRAs or whatever it may be. So... So now let's fast forward. How is this account actually treated in retirement? So within our adoption agreement, retirement age is defined as the date on which the sum of the participant's age and years for service for vesting purposes is 65, but in no event earlier than the date on which attains age 55. That's a complicated way of saying you pretty much got to be age 55 with 10 years of service uh, because you can't retire before age 55 with uh, post-employment benefits and you have to reach this rule of 65 here for vesting purposes so 10 years of service age 55 you can retire from the county and get post-employment benefits as well as uh, draw on your retirement accounts what is slightly different for public safety personnel i.e. firefighters we can actually leave the county before age 55 and draw on our retirement accounts penalty free. Although we do not qualify for post-employment benefits because of the way our county documents are written. So why is that? Public safety personnel can take distributions penalty free from their retirement plans as early as age 50. And this is a um, IRS rule. Typically, if you separate from service at age 55 or older, you can take penalty-free distributions. Unless you're public safety, they reduce that age to age 50. So if you retired at age 51 from the county, you could begin drawing on your 401A funds and you'd pay taxes in the year of withdrawal, but you would not owe any penalties because you separated service after age 50. But if you don't stay with the county until 55, you won't get post-employment benefits such as health insurance and uh, things like that. So unfortunately, this is our adoption agreement and our plan documents are written for the entire county. These aren't specific to our fire department, therefore the water department, the fire department, the police, they're for the entire county. And for, like I said, most people, you have to separate from service after age 55 to qualify for penalty-free distributions, which is most likely why our policy is written that way. But this is something that I would love to see addressed, and I think it needs to be addressed because our jobs are materially different than someone who's sitting at a desk for 40 hours a week. If you've worked between 14 and 15 years in field operations on a 24-48 schedule, You've already worked an additional five years just based off the amount of hours that we work. So hopefully through a group effort, we can do a little more research into this and do our best to get the idea across that the fire department, and I'm not sure the police department schedule is, but I'm sure it, you know they probably work more hours than your average job, but certainly firefighters. What we do is not the same as somebody who's working 
uh, in you know at the county administration building, forty-hour work week. So, unfortunately, if you want to get you know post-employment benefits through the county, you have to stay until age fifty-five. But if you want to leave prior to that, it doesn't mean that you can't withdraw from your retirement accounts penalty-free as long as you've separated service after age 50. So let's imagine you're well into retirement. You cannot keep your retirement funds in your account indefinitely. Generally, the IRS is going to make you start taking withdrawals, and these are called required minimum distributions. So until recently, you had to start taking required minimum distributions at age 70 and a half. Um, With the passage of the recent SECURE Act, it has actually now bumped it back to age 72. So your required minimum distribution is the minimum amount you must withdraw from your account each year. So at age 72, the IRS is going to start making you withdraw from that account and you know, they, they let you defer taxes on it. They want the, they want that tax revenue. So they're going to make you, uh, withdraw a certain amount every year. And that is your required minimum distribution. And this is based off of, uh, you know, basically like, uh, your life expectancy and, you know, whatever there's worksheets on their website to figure out that required minimum distribution. But just know if you are in a tax deferred retirement account, they aren't going to let you keep that money in there forever but you can do something called Roth conversions which can keep you from having to do required minimum distributions but that is a topic for another day which we will certainly get to another day but that's it for the high level overview of the 401a money purchase pension plan next week we're going to do a very high level overview of the 457 B deferred compensation plan. And then we're going to get into some more uh, kind of nitty gritty financial planning topics of how to best utilize these accounts and how you should be coming up with investment plans within the accounts and what to invest in and and things like that. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. If uh, you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at Matthew at Ford Focus FP.com. Once again, that's Matthew, M A T T H E W at forward, as in looking forward, focusfp.com. Y'all have a good day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the 2448 podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share the show however and wherever you see fit. If you have any suggestions, questions, or if you're interested in coming on as a podcast guest, please go to the Facebook page. There's a Google form pinned at the top. Fill it out, and I look forward to hearing from y'all. I hope you enjoyed the music. They are some friends of mine that make up the band All the Locals, and they were generous enough to let me use their music for this show. So check them out. They flip and rock. But until next time, y'all stay safe. Cheers.